Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you, Big Book Study. My name is Rick Jay, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, October 18, 2021. We are reading from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous in the chapter Working with Others on page 91, the fourth paragraph, beginning with, when he sees you know all about the drinking game, and uh, extending through the next page on page 92, ending with, some of his own. We'll be reading and commenting on that paragraph only. Today's readers are Gina F. for the 12 Steps, Julie R. filling in for Melissa W. on the 12 Traditions. Our big book readers are Susan S.H. on the text, Sandy C., page 164, and uh, of course, Julie R. is our backup reader. Our newcomer greeter is Leon B., and our second hour moderator is Marie F. The reference number for Sunday, October 17, 2021, is 17,933. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. Overeaters Anonymous is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive eater who still suffers. At a vision for you big book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Gina F. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, everybody. Gina F. from Connecticut, Compulsive Overeater, The 12 Steps. One, we, were, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, <clears throat> made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. Okay, thank you, Gina. And Julie R. is going to read the 12 Traditions. 
Julie, are you available to read the traditions or are you out of cell service? Okay. Um, Katie, Rick, are you available Katie to read G. the 12 yep. traditions? Yes, I do have them. Can you hear me? Yes, thank you, Katie. Excellent. Yeah, no problem. Katie G recovered in Boston. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority. Loving God is he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. We do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thanks, Rick. Thanks so much for jumping in, Katie. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes, at the end of which I will give you a gentle reminder. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today we will resume our study of chapter working with others in the big book, page 91, the fourth paragraph, beginning with when he sees you and know all about the drinking game through with some of his own on page 92. I will now ask Susan S.H. to begin reading. Good morning. This is Susan S.H., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Ohio. Very grateful to be here. When he sees you know all about the drinking game, Commence to describe yourself as an alcoholic. Tell him how baffled you were, how you finally learned that you were sick. Give him an account of the struggles you made to stop. Show him the mental twist which leads to the first drink of a spree. 
We suggest you do this as we have done it in the chapter on alcoholism. If he is alcoholic, he will understand you at once. He will match your mental inconsistencies with some of his own. And on reading this this morning um, and considering it, when he sees you know all about the drinking game, and this it reminds me of when I first came to meetings. And uh, the first time I, I wasn't identifying in, and that was like 30 years before. <laughs> but when I came back after having experimented for another 30 years, I heard people say crazy things about food, about their eating habits. And I thought, hey, they really do understand what what's been going on in my head for all these years. And I thought it was too terrible for anyone to understand. So identifying in is so important to me in, in working the 12 steps. I always need to remember I'm a part of, not apart from. Um, my recovery is a blessing that I have you know, I have worked to, to be ready for, but it was a gift that can be given to others. I can share it with others. I can't give it to them, but I can share what happened to me and what I did to make myself ready. So when I shy away from the horror stories that are um, my, myself in the food, I need to look at it and think, hey, do you remember what, what brought you in and what kept you in? I kept coming for a year and a half to the meetings because I identified. They knew something crazy about food that I thought I was all alone in. And when I finally surrendered and became willing to read with a fellow and read the doctor's opinion and found out about the real disease, not just me being crazy, bad, but a disease that I share with others and that we are able to turn over to God every day. I, I'm still amazed. I'm still grateful. And I think I will be as long as I practice the program. The 12 steps have saved my life. And uh, I, I can't say how grateful I am. With that, I will pass. Okay, thanks for getting us started, Susan. Before we get our first group of names, just a reminder that although we value everyone's experience, we ask that you please limit your share to every third day in order that others might share their experience too. Please give me your first name only and the first initial of your last name, please. And who would like to share on what was read today? Janet B. Okay, Janet, gotcha. Tina S. Tina? Yes. All right, Tina, gotcha. Oh, I heard two at the same time. Sorry. Teresa P. (laughs) Teresa P. and Joe? Phil M. Oh, Phil M. And how do you spell your name, Phil?
Okay. So I've got Janet B, Tina S, Teresa P, and Phil M. Anyone else like to share in this first group? All right. Um, we're going to go ahead. Tara L. What? Tara L. Dara L. Okay. I think we're going to go ahead and get started. Okay, so Janet B, you are up, followed by Tina S. Go ahead, Janet. Hi, good morning. Can you hear me? Uh, yes, I can hear you, Janet. You go okay, ahead. Okay, good morning. Good morning. This is Janet B. Recovered from compulsive eating and bulimia in New Jersey. So. I'm drawn to that line, the mental twist leads to the first drink of a spree. And I know um, the best way I understood it is from page 24, where it says that we are unable at certain times to bring into consciousness the memory of the suffering and humiliation of even the first drink. And I think, well, what does that mean? So the way I understand it is that normally, it tells me my defense against doing something dangerous is my memory, right? I'm about to touch a hot stove. In my memory are stored all these data points telling me touching a hot stove is dangerous. So if I'm about to touch a hot stove, my memory sends a little thought running across the bridge that connects to my conscious mind and says, stop, danger, hot stoves will burn you, and I don't touch the stove. Or for me, I have a really bad cat allergy, in my memory are all these data points of cat-induced asthma attacks. So if I'm tempted to go into a pet store, my memory sends a little thought to run across the bridge to my conscious mind to say, stop, don't, cats will give you an asthma attack. Again, my memory keeps me from danger. Let's talk about food now. Um, I remember I used to binge on these certain kind of cookies. I'd always say, I'm going to have just one or two but we know what happened. I would end up eating the whole box of 20 and sometimes run out for another box. So in my memory were all these data points of how I'd promised myself I'd eat just one, but I'd end up eating the whole box. So there I'd go again, about to buy a box of cookies saying, I'll just have one. And my memory goes to send a thought to run across the bridge to my conscious mind that says, and to say, stop, danger. You won't be able to stop at one. You'll eat the whole box. You'll gain weight. You'll hate yourself. Don't. Except when it came to food, the bridge was broken and the thought couldn't get across. My memory failed to hold me in check and I had no defense against the first compulsive bite. That was my mental twist. I had like a broken bridge. I couldn't keep the memory green. I couldn't just tell myself to stay away from certain foods. When it came to food, there was no connection between my memory and my conscious mind, and I was hopeless. Like, like Bill Wilson said, right, on page eight, no words could tell of the loneliness and despair I found in that bitter morass of self-pity. Quicksand stretched around me. I had met my match. I had been overwhelmed. Alcohol was my master. For me, because of this mental twist, because of this broken bridge between my memory and my conscious mind, food was my master. Um, there was nothing I could... Gentle reminder. Okay. Um, 
I was 100% hopeless without a miracle. And thank God for me and us, this program is about miracles. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janet. Tina S., you're up, followed by Teresa P. Go ahead, Tina. Thanks so much, Rick, for your service. Tina S., recovered compulsive eater, anorexic in Florida. Uh, what a great paragraph. You know, I love it. It talks about when he sees you know all about the drinking game or eating game, commence to describe yourself. You know, so the opportunity is here to not talk about their, their um, drinking or eating game, but mine. You know, so that somebody can relate because I know when I first came in, you know, if somebody would have talked about my eating or my drinking, you know, I would, my would shut them off completely because I had heard enough about that over the years and I didn't need to hear anymore. But when somebody started to talk about their own experience and their own consequences, and, and a lot of the previous share, it was just fabulous. You know, my memory is certainly insufficient because this time it's going to be different, you know. And it says we give them an account of the struggles I made to stop. And I have made many, many struggles to stop. You know, I could stop, but I couldn't stay. I couldn't quit starting. That was the deal. You know, because this time it was going to be different. I I can beat the game now. I have another way to go, you know. And, and then it talks about the mental twist, yeah, which always leads to the first drink of a spree. You know, and I love that we share it. You know, the only defense I have today is, is it, it, the, the defense must come from a power greater than myself, you know. And then, and then it tells me if, if he's an alcoholic, if he is. If he, he shares the same disease, then he'll understand me at once. He may not necessarily want to hear me at once, but he will understand. And then, you know, I have had the opportunity where others have matched their mental inconsistencies with, with mine. You know, and that's the good news when we can both start shaking our heads up and down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can relate. I'm no longer alone. You know, and maybe this too can work for me as it has worked for them. You know, because I'm not special by any means. The only thing that I do is, which may be different from them, is I start working the, the steps. And I have a transformation that comes about through, through the process. And I'm no longer that same person, so I no longer do those same, same things. And today, with the power greater than myself and you all, you know, I, I am free. I am free from the obsession and from the allergy, too, because I don't put those alcoholic foods in, in my body. And so this is a great paragraph. So looking forward to hear what others have to share. And with that, I will pass. Thanks. Okay. Thank you very much, Tina. Teresa P., you are up next, followed by Phil M. Go ahead, Teresa. Hi. I'm Teresa P. from California. And... Uh, you know, I, I love this uh, this paragraph. You know, I'm sharing with another uh, about uh, the drinking game, or the, in our case, the compulsive overeating game. And I know for myself, I felt such tremendous shame and uh, pain from not understanding what was wrong with me, that, you know, other people could walk away from food. Other people, you know, could control their food and I couldn't I just I didn't understand and I tried over I tried so hard and prayed to God over and over and when I got into got into uh, my first meeting and I learned that I had a disease I felt this tremendous sense of relief I was like vindicated I wasn't this bad person you know what's wrong with me I was a sick person I had a disease a real disease it's in writing and I loved it and I loved hearing people share about their craziness. 
picking up the food off the floor, dusting it off and eating it, go, yeah. You know, and the worse the stories, the better I felt. And uh, so that was my identifying in. And I, I do like to share that with, with others, you know, about my experience. And I find when I stick to the uh, my experience and uh, you know, listen to what people say, because, you know, people, people say what they're going to say. But it's it's listening and then just sharing my experience, and you know, it's been a varied experience with uh, other people. You know, I have there's a lot of people that there are people that I know, and uh, you know, and I see them overweight. I've seen them overweight for years, you know, and I've heard their stories, and and they didn't believe they were compulsive overeater, and I just get to go and stay out of it, you know. You know, you're ready when you're ready, and and it is it is a delight though to 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 meet a, a person and and share and and just have them come alive going, yeah, I do that, you know, just and to talk about the craziness of this disease, and 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 relate and it's it's it touches that special part of me because here's another here's a fellow sufferer. And, you know, I, I, misery does love company, let me tell you. And I was miserable in this disease for years. And what I get to do is share that the misery doesn't have to stay. <laughs> there is there is um, a way out of the misery. And, and it is the 12 steps. And it is the work doing the 12 steps. And that's what I get to do is just share, you know, my experience, strength, and hope. And, you know, I've had the misery and I've had the experience of recovery. And the hope is that you know it can be delivered, not just a reminder. Thank you, but I can be delivered from the obsession. The obsession has been lifted. So thank you for letting me share my path. Thank you, Teresa. Uh, Phil M, you're up next, followed by Darrell. Go ahead, Phil. Thank you very much, Rick. Can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear. Oh, great. Thanks. My name is. Uh, Phil M, a gratefully recovered compulsive overeater from Northern Ireland. Um, and I don't always remember, you know, my worst parts in my eating history. And um, yeah, I, I remember going into a car park uh, one time, having bought some food in the shop I worked in. Um, it was a trifle and I was furious because the assistant had not put the spoon in. So, you know, there's no way I was going to wait the seven-mile journey to home to eat it. So I started eating it with my finger, um, aware that it wasn't quite a, a, a right thing to be doing. And then a, it was a dark night, so it was okay. But there was a knock at the window, my window, where I was in the driver's seat. And um, it was my boss. And, and he had something to say to me, and I was so embarrassed. You know, I thought, had he seen me eating this with my finger? Anyway, another time uh, there was an offer on a chocolate cake. It wasn't even a nice chocolate cake, but I couldn't couldn't drive home. I couldn't wait that time uh, for that short distance. I went into a car park. It was bright daylight. The place was crowded with people. I needed the chocolate cake, and I got stuck in with my hands to eat this chocolate cake. And I kind of made myself believe that I was invisible and people couldn't see me do this. Absolutely bonkers. Absolutely bonkers. Other times I would go into a shop and say, well, I'll, I'll put a three pound limit or a five pound limit on what I'll buy, thinking, you know, it's not that much junk. 
it is amazing how much junk you can buy with a little bit of money. You know, and I ate it all and wanted more afterwards. I would have grazed all day and I didn't know what hunger was. When medicine said to be taken one hour after food, I thought they were crazy. I thought it was particularly cruel. I didn't think anybody could possibly do that. Um, I had a horror of being hungry. And I was furious all the time with almost everyone around me if they did the smallest of things that put me out. I couldn't stop when I was pregnant with a much-wanted second child. Um, uh, and, and I honestly thought I was eating so much chocolate that it would damage her, but I could not stop. Then, in 2016, I was treated for stage 4 cancer. I was told that sugar feeds cancer. Um, it wasn't the party going through the treatment. I, I was lucky I didn't have pain, but very bit of sickness. Um, but I just couldn't stop. I still could not stop ingesting the sugar. It, you know, it's incredible the lengths that, that, that this food addiction takes us to. Um, I didn't feel my feed my family properly when they were young. It was the quickest, easiest, convenient food I could possibly get to give them. You know, it's surprising that there's three healthy adults now. Um, so, but now I have a have a, a better head on me, and I look back, and I realise that I gentle I reminder. And thank you for giving me this chance to share. Thank you for your service, Rick. I'll pass. Okay, thank you so much, Bill and uh, Dara L. You're uh, up next, and then we'll take another group of names. Go ahead, Dara. Great, thanks so much. I'm Dara L. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Philadelphia, and um, a few things stood out to me. I really appreciate um, what was shared about shame earlier, and um, and the bafflement. Like for me, you know, this disease is so confusing. Um, I think about, you know, myself coming in as a sponsee um, because, I, you know, there's sort of two sides to this paragraph, right? There's the sponsee experience and the sponsor's experience or the protege and, you know, and the guide, however you want to sort of conceive of it. Um, and I thought about like just how demoralized, you know, I was coming into this program each of the four times I recovered, you know, like living in filth with you know, vomit on my bathroom floor and toilet and, you know, smelling bad and um, food all over my house and, you know, not being able to figure out, like, why I was doing what I was doing, spending $300 a day on food that I threw up. And, you know, and so, and, and I was so ashamed, like, so ashamed and wanted to die, especially as a chronic relapser, like, just feeling like there's no hope. Um, and And so being able to have someone who not only like understood me, but who was me, you know, like who we have the same disease and they'd found a way. And like, there's so much beauty in that. And so as the sponsee, you know, I got, I got hope. I got a willingness to do, um, to, to do this work because I got to tell you, you know, like I've been to therapists and psychiatrists and a bazillion other people who gave me, you know, really great nutritionists who gave me really great advice. And I just, I, they didn't get it, you know, they didn't get me, they didn't know that what, like, the food was my God, it was, I was worshiping it, and it took away the pain, you know, for just a little bit, but to be able to talk to 
someone who had walked that path before me was like a miracle, you know? And then I think about this as the sponsor, as the, you know, the step guide um, and how, you know, it, it gives me humility to be able to share with someone like where I've been because I forget and my memory doesn't get better whether I have a day of abstinence, a week of abstinence, a year of abstinence, it doesn't matter. Like I can forget where I came from. And so to be able to talk to someone else who has this same mental twist and not just focus on the external consequences of the disease, but the internal experience of what it is to be hijacked by, you know, anorexia, bulimia, compulsive eating, whatever it is, um, and to be at the mercy of this merciless obsession and then to, to, to talk about hope and, and have a spiritual experience. Like this is, it's such a gift. I love this program. And I love, I never understood as a sponsor why my sponsors would say to me, like, thank you for your service. I was like, what are you talking about? You're doing stuff for me. Um, but I can say now, you know, from both sides of that divide that I get so much in the giving um, because I need it, you know, to stay stopped. Um, and with that, I'll pass. Just a reminder. Um, thank you very much, Dara. Right, right on time there. Um, okay. So before we continue with our second group of names, we are in the big book on page 91, the fourth paragraph, beginning with when he sees you know all about the drinking game um, through the next page on page 92, ending with some of his own. And though we value everyone's experience, we ask that you please limit your share to every third day in order that others might share their experience too. Who else would like to share on what was read today? Reggie O. Kim A. Reggie O. Kathy okay, S. and who's after uh, Reggie? Sorry. Tim A. Tim A. Yeah. Okay. Kathy S. Kathy Sarah S. Sarah R. Sarah R. from New York. Sarah R. Okay. Anyone else? Okay, we'll get a second, uh, third group of names after this. We'll go ahead with Reggie, uh, and you're up. Go ahead, Reggie. Thank you so much, Rick, for your service and everybody who's here this morning. My name is Reggie O. Gratefully recovered today and living in Texas. And I have this partic- uh, a particular uh, variety of the mental twist, which leads to the first spree that happened later in my compulsive eating career in my in my many years in Overeaters Anonymous and this was in between OA ninety I believe and coming to vision. But I could go out in uh on a night and have the most incredible binge, you know, a binge that would put me to bed sick and I would wake up the next morning and be absolutely certain that this was the day I was going to quit for good. I mean it would it was like um I, I later, you know, considered it to be magical thinking because uh, that that's what it was. It, it wasn't like I forgot what happened the night before uh, or what had happened many nights before. It was like on this day, I knew it was the day that I was going to quit for good. And then, and when I looked back, I, I think I I think I recognized this. I looked back when I started like, listening to Vision and coming to Vision, and the probably hundreds of probably hundreds of mornings that I had that same groundhog day 
and woke up after an incredible binge and, and knew absolutely that this was going to be the day that I was done forever. And sometimes I would be done for half a day, sometimes for a day, sometimes for three days, maybe a week, maybe, you know, different periods of time. But uh, it, it literally was like a groundhog day. And um, that hasn't happened, fortunately, in a long time. But I was just thinking that was a, a kind of my variation on a mental twist. And I've had plenty of different twist, and, uh, but I'm going to pass it on. Okay, thank you so much, Reggie. Um, Tim A., you're up next, followed by Kathy S. Go ahead, Tim. Hey, good morning. This is Tim A. <clears throat> from New York City. Seemingly hopeless. Ugh. You know, we all understand if we're chronic compulsive eaters, that feeling of hopelessness because you know, people mean so well, they so want to help us. Doctors can talk to us about, you know, the physical consequences and nutritionists can give us the best food plans that they have, but they don't get it. And the only, we know, it's like a repeated theme in this chapter and throughout the book that the only message that has that depth and weight has to come from somebody with our illness who has found the solution. And even when I was in OA for 18 years, chronically relapsing because I couldn't control my food using a food plan, I didn't understand like these other people in OA, they were getting abstinent and they were staying abstinent. And I didn't, I wasn't able to do that. And even in OA, I felt like this poster child for relapse. No matter what I did, I, I was just a failure at trying to control my food. And I thought it was because I wasn't avoiding the right stuff or weighing and measuring enough stuff. Blah, 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 blah. Fast forward to when I found a sponsor who took me through the steps exactly as they're written in the book, like how we study. But the idea of not following a food plan was presented to me, and that sounded insane. It sounded preposterous until I started going to meetings and hearing other people who had solved the problem this way. Because if we truly believe what the big book says, that getting down to the causes and conditions of our illness and solving, not solving, but giving those defects and those attitudes and outlooks to our higher power, that will, that will no longer necessitate the need to ease, to eat for ease and comfort. So, I started to get a glimmer of hope from other people who showed me a different way, that it had nothing to do with what I was eating or not eating, weighing and measuring, avoiding. It had nothing to do with that because that wasn't the problem and it wasn't the solution. And so regardless of what has worked for each one of us, being able to share that message takes away that seemingly hopeless feeling from Anybody in the room who's either new or hasn't been able to latch on to something that works for them yet. And that's why it's so, like, desperately important that we share on these meetings and that we share, like, from the heart what has worked for us because nobody understands. My mother once sat in her car and tried to shove an entire cake in her mouth to try to understand what I, her daughter, was going through as a teenager with an eating disorder and she was such an amateur she couldn't even do it and of course like that didn't Thank help her help me. thanks i'll wrap up that didn't help her help me there's nothing that can help us 
but somebody who has found the solution. Um, and with that, I'll pass. Kim A. in New York City. Thanks. All right, thanks, Kim. And um, Kathy S., you are up next, followed by Sarah R. Go ahead, Kathy. Thanks, Rick. This is Kathy S., a uh, recovered compulsive overeater in Georgia. And, um, you know, what comes up for me in this paragraph is just the word gratitude. I am so thankful for the people in this meeting, for this meeting, and for all of the shares, for the experience, strength, and hope that I gained um, because you're my people. I found my tribe. And um, what I, you know, strongly relate to when it comes to sharing my experience is how baffled I was um, when I was trying to discern if I was even sick. I knew what I was doing wasn't right, but I wasn't sure where I belonged. I tried rehab um, for eating disorders and I barely qualified because they were like, well, you don't think that you're skinny. I mean, you don't think that you're fat. And I was like, but I knew that I was binging and I couldn't stop. And they tried to uh, teach me about moderation because it was all about food fear. And they said, you know, it's because that you abstain that you binge. And, and I was like, okay, tried it. It didn't work for me. It did not work for me at all. But I didn't feel like I fit in because I didn't have 100 pounds to lose in this program. But again, that's what I'm so grateful for is the shares of the women and men that come before me that are in this meeting who share their experience with excessive exercise and, and restricting and things like that. that um, but yet we all share that mental twist, this, this addictive personality um, that is an anxious disposition, our perceptions about life and where we share our thinking. I have yet to meet someone when I start sharing my experience to say, yeah, you don't belong here. <laughs> I just relate and, um, and so grateful um, to even share that baffle that baffled part because I've met a lot of God keeps putting me together with a lot of women who are trying to trying to decide, am I a real compulsive overeater? And then we start talking about our experience and, and where I go with the food and, and especially again in my thinking. And it's like, yeah, yeah, all I hear is me too. And um, like others have shared, I'm so grateful for the newcomers because I'm just one bite away of forgetting who I am, but when I share my experience and we get down into the trenches of how painful that was, I'm reminded of how grateful I am for this program and for the work of God, the steps and this fellowship to give me the life that I have today. And um, so, yeah, I just, I'm so grateful. So thank you uh, for this meeting, for all of you on this line, and thanks for letting me share. With that, I pass. Okay, thank you, Kathy. And uh, Sarah R., you're up next, and we'll take a few more names. Go ahead, Sarah. Hi, everyone. Good morning. This is Sarah R. in Brooklyn, New York. You're doing well. Um, this has been such an awesome meeting. Um, you know, I, I I've heard a lot of the a lot of the shares. I hear kind of every day listening to meetings. But every single day, it's still applicable. You know, the, the term, the drinking game, right? So, you know, I'm an expert at the eating game, you know, and uh, coming into these rooms, I, I heard today is something beautiful. Like, I, it's not a matter of stopping. It's, I can't, like, I, I've, 
in the past, I couldn't stop starting. And, you know, they're talking about like amnesia, right? Um, and it's funny, the book uses the term like if someone had a headache to kind of cure that headache with a, with a sledgehammer, you know, or, you know, the book talks about the jaywalker who just, you know, just keeps walking in front of traffic and, you know, completely forgetting. I, I know, right, I know with pineapple, if I have anything that touches pineapple, my entire throat will burn up and I, I will never forget that. I won't even eat anything that was on the same platter as anything relating to pineapple. However, you know, when I specifically when it comes to in the past restarting, um, you know, quote unquote again, and suddenly I had full amnesia. Like I truly, truly believed that, you know, I would go shopping, I would fill up my cart with, you know, wholesome choices on, on, on this straight off my food plan. And I truly believe that this time, you know, I would complete, like someone used the term Groundhog Day, like it would be like a restart. The funny part was, you know, what steps I took to get to that day, right? Every time I, I quote unquote binge, because in my head, because I had so much amnesia that like this time would be the absolute start, I kind of, my, my disease, right? My disease is about more. So I kind of felt sad and that I was losing something, right? I didn't look at what I would be gaining this cosmic, you know, change. But instead, I looked at everything I'd be losing, which was my best friend slash the food. So I would go and eat every possible thing in every category I can that I love so much because the concept that I won't have it again. Because, I again, it's amnesia. I try the time. And, you know, what worked for me is kind of like instead of signing up for, you know, this time being absent forever, the concept of just like one minute at a time, like, okay, what, what can I do for this meal? And, you know, that's, and, and, and that's kind of the, the tools of the program. It's not about the vet, like even for the vanity, but it's, it's all about the sanity. So Did for all the newcomers, yes, from all the newcomers out there, just like me, Uh, Sarah, we we lost you right in there. Um, sorry, I I, uh, I I lost the very last thing that you said. But uh, we'll go ahead and take a few more names. Who else would like to share on uh, what we've read today on page ninety-one, the fourth paragraph? Irene B. With Irene Kelly. All right, Irene. What was the last one after Irene? Kelly S. L E S. All right, Ellie. Ellie. Anybody else? All right, Irene, you go ahead, followed by LES. Um, Go ahead, (sighs) Irene. Thank you so much. Thank you for your service. I'm Irene B., a very grateful, recovered bulimic from Louisiana. Uh, So grateful to be recovered from bulimia and not taking it for granted. my life's dream is that my experience become my most valuable asset in my service to God. When I was bulimic, 
there was no one, nothing that could help me out of the bulimia. For inpatient, for outpatient treatment programs, they say that none of them work, but each of them addressed a little part of me that was broken. And there was so much about me that needed fixing, that needed some tender loving care, that there was no one thing that could bring me to recovery because I was in pieces. But my maker, he could put me back together, and he did eventually. He allowed me to stay in bulimia for 40 years. Just like Moses wandered in the desert for 40 years, my higher power allowed me to be in bulimia for 40 years before he delivered me. And I give him credit for delivering me from bulimia. And I want my message to have depth and weight to the bulimic who thought was completely hopeless. I thought I would never, ever, ever recover because I did not know how to get in touch with my feelings. I did not know what thoughts were going in my head that would cause such desperation. I did not know that as I consumed the foods that soothed me, that I was triggering the allergy of the body. There's so much I didn't know. So much. And, um, and I love what this paragraph says, is to share your experience so that people will recognize themselves and feel comfortable so that they can see, oh, maybe there is hope. You know, if this person got better, you know, um, surely I can get better. That was my position. That was the thinking that brought me to OA because I know that AA worked for alcoholics. So why wouldn't OA work for bulimics? It's the same thing, the 12 steps. So my heart's desire is that my story will bring hope to the hopeless. I wanted someone. I'm just going to wrap up and say that I desperately wanted somebody who could relate to the depth and weight of my desperation and my disorder that was just so entrenched and so hopeless. But there is hope, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Irene. All right, Kelly, yes, you're up next, and then we'll get a couple more names. Go ahead, Kelly. Hey, Rick, it's Kelly S., spelled with an E-Y in Tulsa, Oklahoma, recovered compulsive overeater and bulimic. Um, really wanted to share on this paragraph today um, in the line that a lot of people have pointed out about. Um, show him the mental twist which leads to the first drink of a spree. Because it was that mental twist that every time just, you know, made me feel so much shame, you know, so terminally unique. Um, even, even, even if I understand the physical allergy. And I do agree that, you know, for me, I have to weigh and measure my food, and that takes care of my physical allergy, you know. Um, but the greater aspect, as the big book tells me, is in my mind, and it's that mental twist. And that was part for years I just didn't understand. And, you know, I think I always love in Bill's story, there's just this one sentence. It's back, let's see, on page five, and he talks about 
Was I crazy? I began to wonder, for such an appalling lack of perspective seemed near being just that. I mean, that was my life, because it's like, you know, I think I'd get it figured out, and then I'd go back, and I'm like, what the F is wrong with me, you know? And I'm going to tell you guys, I've been this in program, and this mental twist, this stuff is so freaking subtle. And, you know, this is the stuff that I want to hear people share and how we get through it, right? Because this is the stuff that I'm like, I have to have a higher power. No food plan is going to relieve me of this mental twist. You know, I was sharing with a new sponsor yesterday, and we were sharing you know, our mental twist stories. And then, you know, I was sharing with her the solution and the recovery that I've had. And I could just, you know, hear the hope rising in her. You know, it's like the whole idea of thinking I could live without that mental twist. You know, here's the thing, though. That bridge that was talked about earlier, which I love that bridge story, that bridge never gets fixed, you know. And, you know, even in recovery, no matter how many years, and somebody else said this, no matter how many years I have, and I'm speaking from experience after, you know, just getting six months back of having that, a relapse. You know, that mental twist can come back in so subtle and think this time it's different. I've got this. I'm okay. I've got five years. I'm good. You know what? I'm a speaker. I'm a somebody. I understand. I understand this mental twist. Guess what? It's more powerful than me. But guess what? It's not more powerful than God. And so I have to work these steps. I have to work this program so I can get the solution. The steps, the book, that's not the solution. They get me to the solution, which is my higher power. And that's what I have to share with somebody today. We don't have to live in that mental anguish. We're not alone. I'm not crazy. Well, I am kind of crazy. But you know what? Today, I do suffer from a disease, but there's hope. And that's why I get to share with a newcomer that we're not alone. We're not terminally unique. And there is a way out of this crazy. So with that, Thanks for your service. Thank you, Kelly. Right on time. And we've got time for um, a couple more names. Um, Anita J. Who is that? Sorry. Uh, Anita. Anita J. Oh, hey, Anita. (laughs) Who else? Dana P. All right, Dana. Tell you what, we'll uh, we'll go ahead with you guys, and uh, if you could each do uh, about two minutes, that would uh, that would probably help us end on time. So go ahead, Anita. Okay, well let me tell you, I'm Anita J, and I'm in Massachusetts. Um, what finally brought me down after being in for um, over 35 years was one crummy peanut. One crummy peanut uh, after three days in a row, tell, that mental twist. Three weight and measured meals, clean up the kitchen, decide to sit down with a cup of coffee, and one peanut. By bedtime, I was sick, full of food again. That was on Monday. I did it again on Tuesday. That mental twist, it just wipes your memory banks. Wednesday, again, finally on Thursday, after being in for decades, I finally realized as I began to do the same thing, I can't have one. I can't have one. That's something the binges never taught me. It was getting it down to one. I can't have one. 
And that was the beginning of everything. And that happened to happen at the same time that I was turned on to Vision for You, where I've heard so many people who also can't have one and what they've done about it. There is a solution. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Anita. And Dana, you are up. And looks like there's a little bit of time left on the clock for you to do a, a full three minutes. So go ahead, Dana. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rick, uh, for your service and everyone here on the line. I'm a gr- grateful uh, recovered compulsive overeater bulimic in California. I'm just loving this meeting. Oh, my gosh, you know, um, so many different um, uh, directions that people are going and Uh, So many different experiences, you know, and this paragraph talks about um, sharing this, you know, I'll let me tell you about my drink. It's my drinking game. This is the way I did it. And that same thing is true for recovery, you know, and especially with uh, us being people that are compulsive overeaters and the manifestation of the disease and how that works. Uh, So many different manifestations of the disease and, what comes to me is that truly, you know, some people weigh and measure, some people don't weigh and measure, uh, and none of that really ultimately matters. What the problem is is not the food, and thank you for my beautiful uh, teacher that says that and shares that in so many of his wonderful podcasts. It's not about the food, you know, those foods and those food behaviors were my solution. And what were they solution to? This emptiness in my soul, this restless, irritable discontent, I call the stirring critter, you know, that restlessness, that emptiness. um, And I've also heard it said, you know, my God-sized hole. And it is the suffering, it's the absolute suffering and that emptiness and that loneliness that this disease drove me to. And it's just a vicious cycle, a vicious monster. Loneliness equals, you know, I just can't even express how amazing just jumping in there and doing these steps to the best of my ability, speaking to my fellows, sharing my story, listening to their stories, and recognizing that that's what it is, that that putting my finger on it is that empty, suffering, God-shaped hole. And that is where we're all connected in, in my belief. And as I'm listening to this, the stories that I hear here, emptiness and isolation and disconnection from other human beings, our amazing, beautiful planet, and ultimately disconnect from my higher power that is the source of my disease so thank you so much for sharing and i'll pass with that thank you very much dana appreciate that i think that's uh where we're going to leave off i want to thank everyone who shared please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing the share id for today monday october 18th 2021 is 17,936. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Sandy C. please read a vision for you? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Hi, Rick. Thank you. Can I be heard? Yes, you can. Thank you. Um, Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. 
God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can still do, what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.